listen, this Titans team, they they completely and utterly blew a game in which they had no business losing. It's really that simple. Welcome to the Hot Read Podcast. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, Director of Published Content here at Broadway Sports Media. We are also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. I am joined, as always, by producer JT. JT, what's going on? How's it going? It is Sunday night, and uh, it's going fine for me. However, it's not going well for Titans fans because, well, they lost to the Giants in week one. <laughs> and... Um, uh it's not great it's really not great for the team um it it was an embarrassing loss to be sure um there were a handful of embarrassing losses today as well as a handful of massive complete and utter choke jobs which also the titans fall into that category as well um let's start with there's there's so much to get into here at the beginning of the show and we've got a handful of segments for you today we're going to talk a good bit about the game and i'm going to um talk about some things i have to say regarding the game but um after that we're going to get into the news with jt as always as well as look back at our best bets which is the maybe the sole bright spot in my day today but we'll get into that later we're going to get into a um overreaction monday segment which i'm really excited for um because this is the oh every monday in the nfl schedule is an overreaction monday but this is the overreaction monday because week one, when you only have one game of sample size, everyone loses their mind, especially because week one is so quirky and is oftentimes a liar, which we'll talk more about later. So we've got a handful of things to talk about today, and I'm excited about that. First, let's talk about this Titans loss, and let's let's start with the, the positives that Titans fans can take out of this. There are a handful of positives to take from this game, and I wrote about a number of them at broadwaysportsmedia.com. So if you want to go check out my winners and losers from the Titans 21 to 20 loss to the New York Giants article on broadwaysportsmedia.com, go and check it out. I've got three winners and three losers from the game that I think you'll find interesting. Um, But the main positive that I keep coming back to is it is in fact true that week one is a liar. Um, In the NFL, this is known to be the case. Week one is always among the strangest weeks of the entire NFL schedule teams win that end up being horrible teams lose that end up being number one seeds, the Titans last year, for example. Um, And so, you know, the bills last year, for example, the Packers last year, for example, actually, now that I say it, both one seeds last year lost in week one, got blown out in week one. So, That's something to hold on to if you're a Titans fan. The fact that in week one, things aren't as they seem usually. Now, that being said, this Titans game wasn't all that of it wasn't that big of a mirage, in my opinion. What we saw from the Titans wasn't really that out of character. There was one element of their game that was very out of character, and we'll touch on that in a moment. But Generally speaking, the Titans team that we saw today was a lot like the Titans team we were used to seeing at the end of last year, an elite defense with an above average offense that goes in and out of hot and cold streaks within the course of a game that oftentimes 
mean the game for them. Um, and that's what we saw today. The Titans started the game fantastic. Everything was going perfectly for them. I tweeted out as much. I was I tweeted out sometime in the second quarter that I was thinking about doing a winners and losers article after the game. But so far, the Titans had only provided me half of the article, and it was the winner side of the article. I had written in my notebook that I'm sitting here looking at all of the winning possible categories to talk about in my article and had no losers. And then from that point on, I wrote down five or six losers in a row because the Titans precipitously fell apart um, and things went downhill and and never turned around all the way until the clocks hit triple zero. I guess the Titans clearly heard my cry for balanced content and oh boy, did they deliver in a big way because I got plenty of content to cover in my winners and losers article, more losers than winners that I went off on in here. But um, well, actually, you know, before we get into more losers, JT, I have to say things could be worse. If you're a Titans fan, you could have lost today and your starting quarterback could need hand surgery and your starting left tackle could have a high ankle sprain causing him to miss four to six weeks. In other words, you could be a Dallas Cowboys fan, um, which is brutal for them. And I would feel bad for any other fan base if this had happened to them in week one. But for the Cowboys, I just can't bring myself to feel bad at all. I'm not going to gloat because I don't listen. I don't I don't want anybody to get hurt. Obviously, I don't wish that on anybody. I prefer NFL players to all be good, especially the good ones that are fun to watch or prefer to be healthy, especially the good ones that we like to watch. But um for the Cowboys to already be falling apart. Um, better luck next year. Um, so <laughs> with, with, with the Titans. Yeah, let's just, let's, let's get into, let's get into the handful of positive things. The first positive has to be the pass rush, right? The pass rush picked up pretty much right where it left off um, in 2021. They had five total sacks on the evening as well as eight QB hits as a team. So the front four was disruptive as we know them to be uh, perhaps the most promising individual performance came from second year outside linebacker, Rashad Weaver, who got to work trying to fill the large shoes of Harold Landry as a starter. Weaver was in the backfield pretty much all afternoon, getting two sacks of his own two tackles for loss and two quarterback hits. If he can keep up that kind of production, for, you know, the the majority of the year, if you can end up being 75, 80 percent of what Landry was, Tennessee's front four will be just fine without Harold Landry this year in terms of pass rush. That's assuming, of course, that Bud Dupree takes the reins as the dominant outside linebacker on the team. Um, you know, against the Giants today, he had a pretty solid outing, one sack, one tackle for loss and one quarterback hit. Um, so he, you know, and he had more of an impact on the game than his stats would indicate just based on the eye test from what I remember from the game. And then of course, Jeffrey Simmons had to nobody's surprise, pretty good day, terrorizing Daniel Jones with two sacks and two tackles for loss and, um, two quarterback hits as well. Another positive is Kyle Phillips and Traylon Burks. The Titans rookie duo at wide receiver looked really good on Sunday afternoon. It was I think the most encouraging element of the Titans offense, they were Ryan Tannehill's favorite target in the game. They had nine and five targets respectively. Phillips ended up catching six of his um, targets and 
Burks ended up catching three of his targets. They had 66 and 55 yards on the day. Kyle Phillips was really kind of Ryan Tannehill's security blanket, especially in that final drive. He hit Phillips multiple times um, to get down the field and to get into field goal range, which ultimately didn't end up working out for them. But um, Kyle Phillips was really great all day outside of obviously a muffed punt that gave the Giants really a fantastic field position that ended up not mattering because Amani Hooker bailed Phillips out with an interception in the end zone. So luckily the the Giants didn't capitalize and turn that into points, but um, that was his sole um, mistake on the day, which was a bad rookie mistake. He can't be doing that, obviously. But outside of that, he looked really good. And Traylon Burks kind of looked like we expected him to look when he didn't have Malik Willis or um, another backup quarterback in the game uh, throwing to him in the preseason with Ryan Tannehill. Ryan hits those crossing routes across the middle where we saw him get open a number of times. Ryan also is willing to try those deep shots to him and not under throw him like Logan Woodside did multiple times in the preseason. So they did not end up connecting on any of those deep shots, but Traylon Burks was the guy that the Titans were clearly trying to get. Um, they were trying to to lengthen the field with him. He was he was their deep threat this evening in their eyes, at least. And although they didn't connect on anything, they tried it a couple of times. They were trying to they were trying to stretch the field with him, and they see him as a guy whose skill set um, is complementary to stretching the field in that way. So you know that was good to see Kyle Phillips and Traylon Burks play well, and for this Tennessee team to move on without AJ Brown and you know, diversify their list of viable receiving threats. They need these two guys to live up to their billing. And in this first game, at least, they seemed to be headed in the right direction. Another positive from the game, red zone Dontrell Hilliard. I wrote about him in the article as well. He revealed himself as a new favorite in the red zone in terms of targets for the Titans and Ryan Tannehill. He only managed, let's see, in the rushing game, he got eight yards on two carries. Um, but he did end up shining in a receiver role when Tennessee got near the end zone. He brought in three catches for 61 yards receiving um, and and both of the Titans touchdowns on the evening against the Giants, giving him the second most receiving yards on the team. And those touchdown passes were not him just taking, you know, the hot read screen to the house either. Shout out hot read. Um, he was running down the field and getting open against Giants cornerbacks and safeties in the secondary he was acting as a you know a proper receiver role and getting open in a way that allowed him to score two touchdowns on the night which is uh pretty surprising and i mentioned to jt before the show that you know i'm sure there's some sickos out there that are in like 16 18 team fantasy leagues who probably had to start Dontrell hilliard um in their league because he was the best option that they had and were probably pleasantly surprised on the evening um, so good for y'all, I guess I'm happy for you, but you're also a sicko for having Dontrell Hilliard in your starting lineup week one in the year of our Lord, 2022. Anyways, these kind of red zone receiving opportunities for Hilliard is not something that if, if you've attended any of the Titans training camps, <clears throat> they're not something that you're surprised by. Um, Hilliard was a guy in training camp who the Titans in their numerous red zone drills would target quite a bit um they were they were getting him open and giving him opportunities in the titans red zone drills in training camp relatively often and 
immediately it translated into the game, which is a really positive um positive thing for this team that look in 2021 their red zone efficiency dipped dramatically and so for them to try to get back to their red zone efficiencies of 2019 2020 they're going to need a diversity of viable receiving targets in the red zone and Hilliard proved himself tonight to be one of those guys that's pretty much all there is in my opinion in terms of positives besides the fact that Ryan Tannehill had a pretty pretty solid game um in my in my estimation, he didn't really make any dramatic mistakes. He looked confident. He looked pretty much just like we saw him in training camp. Um, when it came down to the last drive of the game, he managed to march the team down into field goal range. I want to talk about that final that final timeout that was called by the Titans coaching staff. The Titans had gotten a, a deep pass, I believe, to Nick, Nick Westbrook-Akine um, to, to get a first down as well as to finally get into field goal range down it deep you know, within Giants territory on the Giants 35-ish, I believe. And Akine got out of bounds, and then the Titans get ready to run their next play. They're lined up, and then the clock, the play clock, that is, is getting low, and the Titans coaching staff calls a timeout their last timeout of the game, despite the clock already being stopped and there only being less than 20 or 30 seconds left on the clock. It was bizarre to me at the time. It's bizarre to me thinking back. They ended up coming back in after the timeout and Ryan Tannehill took the snap, ran to the hash that that Randy Bullock preferred, took a knee. They lined up real quick and spiked it to stop the game clock with about three seconds left on the clock, I believe. And of course, Randy Bullock misses the kick wide left. But why are we calling a timeout here when the clock has already stopped? The play clock is low, but the team is lined up ready to snap the ball. When when the press corps asked Coach Vrabel in the post-game press conference why exactly he chose to take the timeout when he did, he just said that they wanted to make sure they knew which hash they wanted to get to for Randy Bullock. But again, at the time, they were still just inside 50 yards, which, you know, is within range for Randy. But you'd prefer to get closer considering you have time and a timeout to get four, five, six, seven, ten extra yards to maybe even get it inside of 30 to make the kick way easier. Um, <clears throat> but they burned that timeout. And I just think that was an example of bad coaching and or bad clock management. Um, by the team, it, it was a mistake, and it ended up, you know, not costing them the game, but it it certainly did not help them win the game. There, there were a couple of guys that I spoke to in the press conferences and in the locker room post game. The first of which was head coach Mike Rabel, and I asked him about the Titans' run defense. Now, before we get to the clip um, from the question that I asked him, let's talk about this run defense today. If you had to point to one thing on Sunday that was the reason that the Titans lost the game, it was their run defense. It was not only a horrendous effort, but it was also entirely out of character. This Titans group on defense, and I do mean this Titans group, the group that's been together for the past year or two, they have built their entire calling card on terrorizing your quarterback and being a brick wall in the running game. It's been a strength of theirs historically. 
And so I asked Mike Vrabel why he thinks his squad had such a tough day in the run defense department. And here was his response. The group that's known for their stoutness on defense in the run game. What do you think led to having such a bad day stopping the run? A uh, good player, poor, poor defense, poor, poor gap integrity. Um, just a couple times it was edge, sometimes it's inside tackling. You know, we'll have to really reevaluate, um, you know, what we're doing and uh, you know, give them credit. And they, they, they were able to run the football, which was, you know, the number one key for us on defense. So on Sunday, the Giants were led by a rejuvenated Saquon Barkley, who I do think is, in fact, back. Um, He looked really good today, Um, and he ran circles around Tennessee. And in the second half, they were getting pretty much whatever they wanted. The Titans are going to have to do some serious soul searching to find themselves in this run defense in particular again, because, you know, listen, they got to and they got to do it soon, because in this division with. Jonathan Taylor, James Robinson, Travis Etienne, Damian Pierce, who's a budding star, in my opinion, like having a tissue paper run defense is definitely not an option of all of the things you can be bad at at defense, bad at on defense in the AFC South. It's run defense. That's that's not a thing you can do or you're going to not be able to compete with your within your division. And so you're not going to win the division and you're not going to go to the playoffs. It's really that simple. So. This this run defense was was plain horrible today, historically bad for the Titans. I, I couldn't really get a straight answer from anybody as to why. Missing Harold Landry certainly has something to do with it because he's a really great run defender. But we talked to James James Foster on Friday about this very topic. And, you know, we talked about how, you know, losing Landry is is a it's a hindrance in both the run defense and in the pass defense, but it's it's more in the pass defense than it is in the run defense. The Titans have guys who can fill in and and plug those holes on the run defense, or at least on paper they do. On on in today's game, that wasn't the case. They were terrible. Another guy I spoke to in his post game press conference was Ryan Tannehill. I asked him about the Titans' game plan because he was speaking about you know the Titans not being as consistent as you like them to be throughout the the course of the game on the offensive side of the ball, at least is what he was speaking about. And he was talking about these, these cold spells that the, the, the offense clearly got in throughout the game. And I asked him when they were game planning coming into the week, were there certain things that they were planning to do that they just couldn't end up getting done in this game? Or was it just a matter of inconsistency? And here's what he had to say. Ryan, was there anything in particular you guys game planned for this week that you weren't able to do in the game, or was it just a matter of inconsistency? No, I think we had a good game plan coming in. You know, I felt really confident about it. I feel like um, we had opportunities with some of the stuff that we were trying to hit. You know, um, just just inconsistent and didn't take advantage of of some of those opportunities when they arose. You know, you don't get uh, in this league if you don't take advantage of plays whenever you get the opportunity to. Then you know you're gonna come up short a lot of the time. Now, I found it interesting that the Titans play calling was so sporadic. It it almost resembled the play calling that you'd expect in a preseason game to me, because on different drives, the approach seemed to be entirely different. And obviously, they're not going to trade the same thing over and over and over again. It's going to change. But there was a moment in the game where this stood out to me most in the second half. 
they, I believe it was in the third quarter, the Titans come out and it's a Dontrell Hilliard drive through and through. First down, Hilliard run. Henry's on the sideline, no helmet on. Second down, Hilliard run. Henry's still not in the game. Third down, Hilliard's still the back. And Ryan Tannehill tries to pass to him in the flat and Hilliard drops the ball, three and out punt. Horrible drive, obviously. Why is Henry not in the game? Obviously. Very strange drive. Next drive, the Titans go run heavy. They get Traylon Burks a couple of times down the field. I believe they also hit uh, one of the tight ends, I believe Austin Hooper, as well as um, as well as Kyle Phillips to get within. I believe that was the drive that Hilliard scored the eventual touchdown um, down the left-hand side of the field. And, and so it was a, a pass-heavy drive through and through. There were a handful of Henry runs within that drive, but all the progress was made in the passing game. And the Titans, for once, were passing on first and second down. And it, I was sitting in the press box thinking, why in the world was this not what they were doing the the previous drive? Why were they trying what they were trying with Hilliard? It was almost like they were trying things out to see what will and won't work and and going throughout their their playbook, you know, willy nilly picking different approaches, even though they have nothing to do with one another. It was strange. And I, I, I listen, the coaching is not the only reason the Titans lost this game, but their offensive coaching is still incredibly suspect and it has to improve or else this team's not going to get anywhere. They do not have the personnel required to overcome bad offensive coaching. That is eminently clear. Also spoke to Derrick Henry in his postgame press conference. Speaking of Derrick Henry, um, I, I asked him about as he's become a budding leader on this team, what he and the other leaders on this Titans offense, what they talk about and how they kind of game plan a week like this where they're coming off of an embarrassing loss they've got a serious matchup against the bills on monday night football that they are staring directly down the barrel of how do you prepare some of the guys in this locker room to you know get up and and improve on a short notice to be able to compete in a game like this here's what he had to say What's the approach in the locker room from leaders on the team when you're coming off of a loss like this and you're looking down the barrel of a, a big game like you guys have coming up this week? What do you guys say to some of the guys on this team to get them to the place they need to be to be able to compete at a higher level? Yeah, as leaders, you just want to make sure everybody rallies together. You know, you know, stay with it. Um, you got to slip away. Um, stuff happens. You know what I'm saying? You can't get down on yourself. you got to come back in this week and uh, be positive, make the corrections, um, hold each other accountable, and then get ready to go. Now, we've talked a number of times, much is made ado about the fact that the Titans love to lose games in which they are supposed to win, like this game, and how they love to win games in which they're supposed to lose, like the Bills game, perhaps. And, it, and it's a little bit more than that. It's just the fact that the Titans, well, you know what? I'll go ahead and get into it. Another another loser in my article is front running. And I think... The Titans, this is not news, but I, I just I felt compelled to mention that the Titans are an awful team as a front runner. It's it's seemingly their least favorite activity, I guess, based on the way that they act. And it's certainly among the things that they're worst at. They just love coming from behind in games and winning by the skin of their teeth. They love, you know, playing tight games against opponents that they are clearly better than like the Giants. 
if they're going to blow you out, you have to be a team that's supposed to be better than them. Unless I guess, unless you're the Jaguars, they'll blow out the Jaguars, but everybody else that's bad. They refuse to blow out. And in games like this one against the giants on Sunday afternoon, you can see them clearly falling asleep at the wheel. When they get off to a, a good start, like they did in this game and get out to a rel- relatively comfortable lead, they try to coast and some teams can do this relatively well, but oftentimes it ends up being a mistake and teams talk about trying not to rest on the laurels of a lead. And the Titans are particularly bad at it. When this team tries to coast, at least on offense, they always end up falling flat. Listen, in order to be a great team, they're going to have to you have to be able to hand yourself handle yourself in these kinds of situations. And the Titans plainly have not figured that out yet until they do. They're going to continue to lose to these inferior opponents. That's just factual. Now, it may mean that they manage to win against opponents like the Bills next week. And I think it's interesting that the Bills are they came out as a nine and a half point favorite in Vegas. This is exactly the kind of game that the Titans love 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 to win for some reason um do i think they're gonna win absolutely not no i don't but i also thought the same thing about last year when the titans played the bills and the year before that when the titans played the bills and guess what they handled the bills decisively in both games so is it possible that they win given this team absolutely do i think that they're going to give the bills a run for their money absolutely do i think that vegas at nine and a half point favorites is taking this you know, this local knowledge into consideration? Absolutely not. And that's why at nine and a half, I will be betting the Titans, but we'll talk more about that in the best bet segment on Friday, I guess. The last segment or the last uh, soundbite that I got from Titans players tonight was from Kevin Byard. I spoke to him in the locker room, asked him about what his keys to the game coming up against the Bills on Monday night would be. Just how you approach, again, as a leader of this team, how do you approach figuring out what this team can do within one week of preparation to get better in a hurry. And, and what are the things they have to do differently than they did today in order to compete against a much better team? And here was his answer. Hey, Kevin, like you said, focus shifts to Monday. Now big game against a a really good team. What are some of the things that you guys are going to be focusing on? You think most this week to be prepared to play a better game against a better team? Well, first and foremost, going to be eliminating the big plays. Uh, can't play great defense if you're giving up big plays. I don't care who you're playing against, uh, what team, what's the record. You can't give up big plays and win ball games. Um, yeah, I mean, I would just think that we got to start there. You know, so we got to start with the stuff that immediately is going to get us beat, and we got to eliminate the big plays. So while Kevin Byard mentioned big plays as his main key to being able to contend against a much better team, and I agree with him, the big plays that the defense led up in the second half, in particular. Um, Christian Fulton, for some reason, peaking on the Sterling Shepard route that ended up being a long touchdown and then whiffing on the tackle. Um, A number of different Saquon Barkley runs that were not house calls, but were massive 20, 30, 40, 50 yard chunks. Those are the things that the Titans can't allow against the Bills team that once they get the momentum going, they will not stop. We know this about the Bills. Um, Their offensive firepower is just so much higher than the Titans have to offer. So that's a big part of it. Another part of it, and this is the last bit I want to talk about before we get into the news of JT, the offensive penalties this team inflicted on themselves in the second half of this game. 
they spent most of the second half on offense going forward just to have to bring it on back because they had seven penalties for 50 yards on the day. And the vast majority of that came courtesy of the offense in, in the back half of the game. There were multiple holding calls on the offensive line, um, Brewer and and um, Lawan. Uh, sorry, no, mostly I forgot. Lawan had a different penalty. Brewer was the main culprit in that regard. They also had a delay of game. Um, these penalties in the second half, they forced the Titans into first and extra long three different times on the same drive. They were first and 20, first and 15, first and 20, all within one drive where they ended up getting into the end zone. Um, but, you know, that's something that you can get away with against a team like the Giants. That's that's the luxury of playing a team like the Giants. You can shoot yourself repeatedly in your own feet and you can kind of get away with the lack of discipline, but against much more talented teams, like, I don't know, the majority of the AFC, you can't afford to be so undisciplined. And if the Titans want to be a contender in their own conference, they have to run a much tighter ship. Another one, just to bring the point home here on the final drive of the game, when the Titans were trying to march down the field and to, to get a field goal to, you know, they, they had already snatched defeat from the jaws of victory in this game. They were now trying to snatch victory back by getting a last second field goal. First play of the drive, veteran left tackle, Taylor one jumping off sides on the first play and it backed the team up five yards, which they ultimately got down into field goal range. But do you think kicker Randy Bullock would have maybe appreciate those five appreciated those five yards shaved off of the distance that he ultimately had to attempt the game winner from? Being a 42-yard field goal kick is a little bit easier than a 47-yard field goal kick? I do. Listen, this Titans team, they they completely and utterly blew a game in which they had no business losing. It's really that simple. Bud Dupree earlier this week in his press conferences before the game, he talked about how this Giants team, guys like Saquon Barkley and guys like Daniel Jones, they had something to prove that we knew that they had something to prove and that the Titans were focusing on how they didn't want to be the ones that those guys proved it on. Well, at least one of those guys proved it on you today. Plain and simple. Saquon Barkley, 160 yards. Best game he's had in years against any team. First time the Giants have been 1-0 in years, courtesy of your friendly neighborhood, Tennessee Titans. You got to wear this one. And I mean, ultimately, I don't think any of us should really be that surprised because if I had told you before the Titans schedule even came out back in March, hey, in 2022, the Titans are going to find the easiest game on their schedule. They're going to find a way to lose. What would you have said? If you're a Titans fan or you know anything about the Titans, you just said, yeah, probably. That sounds about right. Yeah. And guess what? The Giants were clearly the easiest game on this Titans schedule. And they found a way to lose. So although many people are surprised by this outcome, I'm not sure that you should be. And, you know, we found out at least this half of the Titans MO from the past couple of years, they're still that Titans. This week, we'll find out if they're the other half of the Titans MO competing against teams that on paper, they have no business competing against in the Buffalo Bills on Monday Night Football. Maybe they're still the old Titans, and in that case, they'll be the weirdest one-and-one in the NFL. If they're not, this Titans team is going to be coming back home to host the Raiders in a must-win game, having started 0-2.
Let's get to JT with the news. Alrighty, getting into the news here. Don't want to beat a dead horse, but I think it's just an interesting stat to bring up. Uh, the Titans defense today. They allowed 238 total rushing yards against the Giants today. Lord. The most the Titans defense has allowed since week 12 of 2018. Just for a little reference, in 2021, the Titans only allowed 100 plus total rushing yards just three times. Yep. One thing I think that uh, they need to look into this week, definitely with a team like the Bills coming up, is consistency. Um, because you could see in that game, it was night and day with the Titans. I mean, the first half, they were very good against the run, and then they kind of just let Saquon explode. Now, the Bills, I mean, they have Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, James Cook, not guys uh, who can even hold a candle to uh, Saquon Barkley. No. But consistency across the board is going to be a big thing going into the week. Yep, agreed entirely. It was a horrible day with run defense, um, like you said. The historically bad day dating all the way back a couple of years they have to get back to what they were like last year or they are going to have a very long long season in the afc south also getting into week one still talking about the afc south it was kind of Speaking a blow-up day here, yeah today. not a great day for not the a great day for, division of the afc for south. the entire afc south with the Titans and the Jaguars taking L's against the bottom of the barrel of the NFC East. Also not a great division. Of course, the Titans losing today against the Giants and the Jaguars losing to Commander Carson on Commander the Carson. newly com uh, Washington Commanders. Love that. And the Houston Texans and Indianapolis Colts neither taking a win nor a loss, tying each other 20-20, to 20, which I uh, believe... There's I not believe a, it. There's not a team in this division that has won a game thus far. And two of them played each other. Two of them played each other and still nobody has won. You would think, oh, we got to get one of these guys a win. Let's have them play each other. But no, but no. Poverty division through week one, zero wins, two losses, two ties. Disgusting. Well, the division leader right now is 0-0-1. So that is just something to look forward to Gross. into week two. Uh, also talking about the rest of this wild week one, wild uh, we had a couple interesting games. I'm just going to highlight a few of them that are pretty interesting, starting with the Bears. The Bears. The Bears taking a home game against the 49ers and Trey Lance, 19 to 10 in what was just absolutely. Did you know they played in a kiddie pool the entire they, game? They, they really played, did. They played in a kiddie pool. Yeah, I know that this game, this game, I was so happy to see this one because the bears need something to go right for them this year and i'm afraid after this week not much will um but the 49ers i've not understood the hype on them all year the idea that they're going to be a contender in the nfc the idea that they're going to be you know listen like their their team top to bottom is really great obviously they don't have a ton of holes in their roster however at the quarterback position there's a significant hole in my mind as of now is Trey Lance going to eventually get good? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, there's a good, decent chance. But is he anywhere near being good at, like, people are thinking, oh, yeah, second second year jump, Trey Lance, here we come, second year QB. You know how that goes. He doesn't qualify, man. He played half as many 
games in college as most quarterbacks coming into the NFL. And then last year, he played, what, two games with the 49ers? So I think it'll be by midseason or maybe three quarters of the way into the season before he ends up maybe figuring some things out and looking pretty good. But by then, I'm not sure it's going to be enough time left for them to, you know, get in position to make a deep run. So I was happy for the Bears and happy that the 49ers got put in their place a little bit. Speaking of the 49ers with their head coach, Kyle Shanahan, we're going to move over to the Falcon Saints game where the curse of Kyle Shanahan and his choke job still uh, still are around as the Falcons once again falconed away another win, losing really to the did. Saints 27 to 26. I really thought they check- had this one too. Yeah, I was checking my Twitter feed and, you know, no, no, no surprises here when I saw another uh, graphic of the Falcons having a win probability of 99.7% or something like that going yeah. into the so last sad. three minutes or something. So sad. But uh, yeah, I guess good for the good for the Saints. Um, horrible for the Falcons, but they're used to it at this point. It's pretty much all I have to say about that. Marcus uh, Mariota didn't look bad, though. Well, until he fumbled the snap at the end of the game. That gave it's the, true. Anyways, but yeah, he looked he looked fine, and they, they looked okay. I, I, I'm not sure how much of that game was a weak one mirage and how much of it was just, you know, maybe the Falcons' offense is a little bit better than people think. Um, but we'll have to see. I'm curious. I, I really genuinely am curious to see that game down the stretch, even though I think that they are probably going to be vying for the one, one seed, or not one seed, the uh, number one overall pick come this spring. Moving over to the AFC North here, the Steelers won on a last minute field goal. JT, this game was infuriating. God, this game was a disaster. Sorry, keep t- tell me about it. Uh, I was I was just gonna say it, it would have been really interesting to have two ties happen. I was kind of rooting for it to be. Honest. I was rooting for. I it was too, rooting man. for two ties on week one. I think that you would have saw from like ESPN or Adam Schefter had been like, it's the first time it's happened ever, and it was gonna be one of those weird stats, you know, yeah. that I just love seeing. But you know, coming into the season, the whole talk was the Bengals are gonna have just a revamped line. It's gonna be ten times better was totally not the case today. Joe Burrow was getting pressured left, right, center, and behind Uh, his stat line today. He went 33 for 53, threw for 338 yards. That's pretty good. Three touchdowns. That's good. And then four interceptions. That's really bad. That's awful. It was hot potato out there for Joe Burrow, man. The number of... Sorry, no, I just had to point out the Steelers. The Steelers lost the turnover battle. 5-0. Is that what you were about to say? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, so tell tell me tell me about that. The fact that they still almost lost the game despite winning the turnover battle. I was gonna say it looked very much like that game last season between the Bengals and the Packers, where each team had yes. a perfect chance to win that game in overtime, and both. I don't know what it is about uh, Paul Brown Stadium. Well, I guess now Paycor Stadium. Paycor Stadium um, with just missed field goals in overtime but yeah. apparently there is something about it with evan money mac evan mcpherson and whoever else is coming into town for that but a little bit of a super bowl hangover here for both teams i would say i mean it very well could be i i didn't know who to root for by the end of that game i was rooting for the steelers obviously because i had bet on them and won a decent amount of money on them for having won but if you're gonna be winning a turnover battle five to nothing and still let this other team take you to overtime and then almost beat you in overtime and you barely, like, you deserve to lose, man. But also, 
The Bengals deserved to lose because they turned the ball over five times. Oh, it was so frustrating. Both teams sucked. They both deserved a loss. You couldn't give them both a loss. So I guess the team that turns it over five times is worse than the team that gets it five extra times and still almost doesn't win. Uh, whatever. That, that is very fair. Yeah. The, the Bengals, they need to not be doing that. Joe Burrow can't be doing that or they're not going to be a very good team. Moving over to the NFC North. Uh, we have the Vikings who absolutely pounded the Packers in oh, today, 23 to seven. It's very clear that there's one thing that I can tell you with the Packers, and that is Aaron Rodgers misses Devonte Adams. Mm, I mean, how could you not? He's arguably the best wide receiver in the league. No, what do you have his stat line from today with yeah, the Raiders? Um, Devonte Adams with the Raiders, who also lost to the Chargers today. Um, Adams was clearly Derek Carr's safety blanket, um, yeah. getting 10 receptions for 141 yards and a touchdown in that loss. Yeah, that's a crazy. The Packers, Packers would have debut very much like that today, from what I saw. Yeah, I didn't get to watch this game, but you did, right? And and so it sounds like the uh, the passing game kind of non-existent. Yeah, I mean the whole offensive game was not very existent for them i think they they got it they got it going a little bit down the stretch there they had that tandem of aaron jones aj Dillon towards the end there that's how they got their score but i mean it's kind of what you expected from a wide receiving core of sammy Watkins, randall cobb the new guys in romeo dubs and christian watson i mean it was a lot of drop balls a lot of confusion just some first time getting out there against some real defenses it was it was a very frustrating and you could see how frustrated Aaron Rodgers was real quick on the other side of the ball can you remind me JT what was that I mentioned on this here very podcast on Friday last week on the Friday episode I mentioned somebody as my dark horse MVP candidate for the season I will say Kirk Cousins is giving Josh Allen a run for his money right now through one week for MVP Ah, he looked pretty good today didn't he 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 did pretty good and I got I got ruthlessly ridiculed in some of the private messages that JT and I are part of with some other buddies of ours um, for this take and I just I need to publicly be known that if I'm right about this and he's in the MVP race down the stretch, even just in the race, the the hell that I'm going to rain down on you fools for ever having doubted me and my wisdom, you will need God's mercy placed upon you to survive it, okay? That's, I just had to throw that out there. But no, the Vikings Vikings looked good. I'm happy to have picked them. Speaking of picks, um, well, you have one more segment or one more uh, thing to mention in the news, and then uh, we can recap the best bets, yeah? Yeah, I was just going to talk about some key injuries from around the league that were kind of surprising. Yeah. Uh, we got a, Some of them came back already with kind of the results and how much time they're going to be missing. For instance, TJ Watt left today's game against the Bengals. He was tearing up Joe Burrow, but had to leave that game. Found out it is a torn pectoral muscle, and he's going to be out three to four months, which definitely is a blow to that Steeler defense for sure. It's the same injury that J.J. Watt, his brother, had two years ago, I believe, that took him out I think so. most of the season. So that's brutal for them. He's going to be gone for months. Also, quarterback Mac Jones is dealing with some back issues during that game against the Dolphins today. Now that one's strange. Did he leave the game? I didn't get to watch this game because of the Titans game, obviously. I believe he left for a little bit, but he was able to play through it. Just something okay. kind of to watch here it's down the stretch here. Sure. Uh, Keenan Allen left uh, the game today against the 
Raiders with a hamstring injury. He okay. will not. He did not return to that game. It's going to be interesting to see if he will be able to play this week, assuming they're because they are on a short week this week. Oh, that's right. They play against the Chiefs. Yep. Elijah yeah, Mitchell. Huge, huge game for them, by the way. They're yeah, very big game. Like, yeah. They need him. Elijah Mitchell also for the 49ers. Uh, his injury timetable is kind of up in the air right now. Not a lot of information on him, but he did have to leave uh, today's game against the Bears and did not return. T. Higgins, wide receiver for the Bengals, suffered suffered a concussion, something to watch. And then, of course, the news we got actually right before recording this podcast. Yep. Dak Prescott will have to get third surgery on his uh, hand. I don't know exactly throw- what the injury it's his throwing was. Hand, it's I his believe. throwing hand, yes. Yeah. And he's going to be out a couple weeks. Brutal. Brutal for the the Cowboys. Kind of some brutal injuries across the board here. We had some kind of freak injuries today. Don't love to see that, obviously. Um, before we get done with the news here, JT, let's let's recap our best bets here. Let's talk about uh, what kind of week we had. I didn't, I wasn't keeping up with it, but you as the diligent producer that you are, I'm sure that you kept track of t- today's bets. So who, what, was, yeah, what so, were our final records for today? So... I do have to keep track of them, and I will say that you did, in fact, go four and one today. That's I think the only one that right you there. dropped was the Titans game. Uh, yeah, I'm sure I'm not the only one in this town who lost a little money on the Titans today. But four and one, I will take it. A great start. Who was I riding with here? The uh, you were riding with the Vikings, yep. the Texans, I believe. Yep. The Lions Steelers and the Steelers. And the Lions. Love it. Especially the Lions coming back and covering there at the very end. Big fan of that. Who are you riding with this week? What went so wrong? Um, A lot of things, actually. <laughs> Turns out Baker Mayfield just does not have that dog in him. He did, though. He did until they kicked I mean, a 59-yard yeah. field goal. Brutal way to lose that game for Carolina. You had them in brutal, a pick but I did have them you would have won pick there until the very end. I also had... Who else did I have? You had the Jaguars, right? I did have the Jaguars and Commander and Carson. Did you not, sh- he did not on you do me any favors Carson. right there. The one I did have this week that was one of the ones that I won was Bucks minus two and a half against the Cowboys. So okay, I'll gladly take that one to the bank. And then the other one that turned out to be a closer game than it really was. Yeah. Uh, I took the Raiders plus three and a half. So right now I'm one and four. I still got the Broncos. Broncos country, let's ride me let's to a ride. two and three week. But I think we were talking before the show here. We were. That we, I, I last went to the log. Season, I went so I went, to, went the to the logs. I kept I kept a lot like we said on Friday. We did this last year, just the two of us with some friends. Um, and I went to the the log that I was keeping on our weekly record in our best bets. And it is in fact the case that last year. I started four and one through week one and JT started two and three identical to his record from this week. Um, assuming then, the Broncos win. Correct. And assuming assuming, assuming, they, assuming yes. the Broncos. I honestly, I need them to, I need them to lose just so I can throw off the bad juju here because last year I got out to the hot start and then I went, let me pull it up here. Over the next couple of weeks, I went two and three, one and four, two and three, one and four, one and four, two and three, two and three, one and four. Um, very bad. Very, very bad. Well below 500. I picked it up a little bit in the back half of the season. Got close to 500 by the end of the year, but not quite. JT, over that same stretch, after going 2-3, and three, went 3-2, uh, 4-1, and 3-2, and 4-1, and 4-1, 4-1, 4-1, 4-1, 4-1. 
um, in the hottest streak that I've, with my own eyes, seen anybody get on. So I guess if you're a historical better, then perhaps riding with me this week was the right call. <laughs> maybe you need to ride the JT wagon for the next seven weeks. Because... We'll see. You know, as I was saying, week one is just kind of that baseline. I'm sure. ready to do my I'm ready to do my homework this week, and okay. I'm ready to get back on the winning side. All right. Well, I take a two game. Gauntlet. I take a two game lead here. Lord knows I need it. We'll see how things go going forward. That's JT with the news. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have a segment that we're definitely doing this Monday. I'd love to do it in some future Mondays, but this is the this is the ultimate. This is the Super Bowl of all Mondays for this segment. And it's the overreaction Monday segment. Like we mentioned at the beginning of the show, every Monday in the NFL news cycle is in fact an overreaction Monday because we love to overreact when we have six more days until substantial NFL football again. But But in week one, when there is just a one game sample size for everybody, we love to just assume that everything we saw in week one is the gospel truth. And we're going to freak out about the 49ers are bad and the Bears are good. The Titans are bad and the Giants are good. Um, We've talked about this. Week one's a liar. We know that week one's a liar, but it's not all lies. Sometimes week one is a reflection of how good a team actually is. So we're going to go through a couple of Titans specific topics and then a couple of league wide topics that JT has cooked up for me here to react to. And I'm going to deem them overreaction or not an overreaction. Okay. Easy, easy as that. We're going to go through a couple of these and uh, I'm excited to get, get through them. And you know, if you are listening to this and you disagree with me, Tweet at us. Tweet at the show at Hot Read Pod on Twitter. Tweet at JT underscore Runky. Tweet at Easton Freeze. Tweet at Broadway Sports or uh, Broadway TN. Tweet at us about how you disagree and what you think the correct take is. But I'm gonna, I'm going to, in fact, give you all the correct answers here, so you can tell me why <laughs> what you think is wrong. Anyways, JT, give me the first Titans specific take for our overreaction Monday. Yeah, let's get into one that we've talked about a lot on this podcast today we're going to start off with the titans run defense here Mm. going forward with this one week sample size are they a bottom 15 run defense in the league no they are not that's an overreaction and here's why the titans run defense like i said has been among the best in the nfl in the past couple of years It's been one of their strong suits in the past couple of years. Like we mentioned earlier in the show, the Titans only allowed three games last year um, in which they allowed an opponent to rush for over 100 yards. Every other game, they kept the opponent's rushing total under 100 yards. And that's against some pretty good rushing teams in there. The Colts twice and um, the the. Uh, the Ravens in the year previous, they they held them to a pretty decent run total. The Jaguars are a decent running team. The Texans, all the, these teams that are known for their rushing, the Titans have managed to keep them well below the Patriots last year, keep them well below um, 100 yards. And so this team is going to find themselves, I think, bottom 15 is certainly an overreaction. Without Harold Landry, is there a chance that the run defense isn't as good, yes, but I don't think that it's going to be as bad as it was this week at any other point this year. I think this is the low point, and it's up from here. Now, how far up, that's the question. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it was just 
kind of getting some of those shooters out and they know they got to lock it in for the rest of the season. Moving on to the AFC South here. Juggernaut. Is this, is this, is this division a three horse race? It is. It is a three horse race. That's not an overreaction. And that's not a reaction based on this first week. That's a reaction just based on, I think, logic. Now, Hang on, I'm realizing as I'm saying this, what three horses are you referencing in this take? I am referencing, of course, the Titans right. and the Colts. Uh-huh. And I'm putting the Texans in here. Okay, okay, hang on, hang on. Now that is an overreaction. That's an overreaction Monday overreaction right there. Cooked up perfectly freshly for overreaction Monday. The the Texans Listen, the Colts lost or almost lost, ended up tying with LOL. They have to wear that one all year long, like a scarlet A across their chest. I, I hate ties so good, much. I Good uh, callback there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good reference. Good literary. I'm very well read. I'm very yeah. well read. Um, they, the Colts managed to tie in that game because the Colts are really, really bad in week one. Now, part of this is the fact that they decide to trot out a new quarterback in week one every year for the past, I don't know, forever, it seems like. Um, and so that's like not a very good recipe for success. And, uh, you know, as long as they continue to do that, I think they're going to continue to underachieve in week one because it does, in fact, take time for you to get into a rhythm with a new team and with a new quarterback, you know, the most important position on the field. The Texans, you know, they're a feistier team than a lot of people realize. I think that they've got, you know, competent coaching in Lovey Smith. They've got a better quarterback than most people give Davis Mills credit for. They've got some talent on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, Damian Pierce is a guy I mentioned who I'm high on. They've, you know, Brandon Cooks is continues to be the sneakiest 1,000 yard per year receiver in the league. They've got talent. Are they good? Definitely not. No, they are not within the race for this division. I think the Jaguars will eventually be in the race for the division. And I think Commander Carson is just a wagon, but that's a topic for another uh, another bit of this segment. I hope we get to <laughs> me. I hope Commander Carson's your list. But yeah, I don't think it's a three horse race with your three horses. That's an overreaction. Alrighty, moving on to kind of one of the bright spots today for the Titans, Kyle Phillips. Is he a young budding star in the making here in this wide receiver core? Right. Or is he going to kind of drop off a bit? And are those mistakes going to catch up to him like he had today? No, that's an overreaction that he's got. He's mistake prone. I think that he has a, he's not he, he made a rookie mistake today um, that ended up almost costing the Titans, but it didn't. It ultimately did not. And uh, he is a young star. I've been saying this for weeks through training camp. It was evident that he is a young star in the making for this team. Was a steal in the fifth round wide receiver out of UCLA. He's going to be a, a perennial target in the slot in the red zone. He's going to be a, a security blanket for the Titans quarterback for years to come. Um, at least as long as he's you know on contract here in Nashville. He's a budding star. Moving on to one that... Viewers might gasp at, might take a back here, but I'm going to say it. Okay. Is Derrick Henry washed? Derrick Henry washed watch? Wow. Um, that's an overreaction. It's definitely an overreaction. When did we start expecting Derrick Henry to be good in week one? I thought that we knew, like, collectively as a society, as NFL watchers and enjoyers, that Derrick Henry's personal preseason does, in fact, does in fact include week one of the regular season and maybe 
you know, a couple of weeks into the regular season. Last year, he got off to a very slow start in that debacle against Arizona at home, only had, I believe, less than 60 yards on the game, and then had a really big game in week two at Seattle. But the year before that, it took him a while to get up to speed. That first game against the Broncos, he was nothing special. Every single year we do this. Oh, my gosh, Derek Henry. Derrick Henry, he he looks a little slow in the first game. Oh, Derrick Henry, he didn't score on the touchdowns. Oh, Derrick Henry didn't break away and get a big run. Derrick Henry, he's yards per carry, this and that. Is Derrick Henry maybe slowing down? Yeah, maybe. But since when has week one been the measuring stick for that? If, if we're measuring Derrick Henry based on past success, we'd say, oh, look at that. Derrick Henry is right on schedule. So it's an overreaction. Derrick Henry is not confirmed washed yet through one week. And one more here based on today's game against the Titans and the Giants. Okay. Are the Giants good? Is this <laughs> is this Danny Dimes season? <laughs> no, no, the Giants are not good. <laughs> the Giants are a bad football team. Um, the Titans were clearly the better team the entire game. Um, anybody that watched knew that, and they knew that. Oh, the, look at that! They didn't. They didn't watch this game and think, "Oh, look at that!" The, you know, Giants are better than people give them credit for. Man, they picked it up. They got it to get. No, you watch that game and you go, "Oh, look at that!" The Titans blew it in monumental fashion. That's what happened. They let a team worse than them beat them at home in the home opener. Unforgivable mistake can cost them greatly going forward. But is this Giants team good yet? No. Now, is Brian Dable a really good, I think, coaching hire? Yeah. And do they have some talent on that team? Yeah. Saquon Barkley's still good. Darius Tony, if you can rein him in like as an individual, good. Um, some really great, talented guys on the defense. Two guys that weren't in there today in Aziz Ojolari and um, uh, their, uh, their other Kayvon Thibodeau. Kayvon Thibodeau. Thank you. Kayvon Thibodeau. Both of those guys, they're top two pass rushers. Those guys weren't in there today, but those guys, really good and talented. They've got some talented, talented guys. They're safety duo. Limited in some aspects, but relatively talented. This this team has some talent, and they've got a good coach, and I think in the next couple of years, they're going to be a lot better. And thank goodness for the Giants organization, who's been wallowing in despair for a long time. But no, in 2022, they are not a good team. Overreaction. All right, so, so far... A lot of overreactions, which is par for the oh, course. Oh, look at that, because it's overreaction Monday. That's very fitting. Moving on to a league-wide kind of couple takes here. I'm excited about these. We had the Rams get absolutely blown out by the Bills. Disgusting game. Worst game of we, the week, actually. Worst game of the week. Can confirm. We had the 49ers go into Soldier Field and get beat. Into Soldier Kitty Pool, and they lost. Yeah. And we had the Chiefs march into Arizona's home field and just Dummy. body them today. Yep. yep. Now we'll see what Seattle can do tomorrow. Not of course, hold my breath. Not but hold. is the NFC West bad? NFC West bad confirmed. Oh, I want so badly to say not an overreaction because it'd be hilarious. Was it not just last year that all the talk was... Holy cow, the NFC West is a wagon. Everybody, it's an arms race out west. <laughs> the NFC West, best division in football history, question mark, which I'll remind you we're now doing with the AFC West one year later. I'm sure that will last and definitely not, you know, be something that we laugh at going forward. You know, looking back, I'm sure there will be a reason to be like, why did we say that? 
we're, we're saying that now with the NFC West, at least through week one. And while I think they have some teams that are a little bit overhyped, I think the Rams are a little overhyped coming into this year. I definitely think the Niners are overhyped this year. Cardinals aren't overhyped. They're just the Cardinals. And I don't know what to tell you. Cliff is an interesting coach and Kyler needs <laughs> to do more homework. Um, and then the the Seahawks, God bless them, are looking for a, a new QB in the top five picks of the draft next year, whether they know it or not. They're not bad, but are they good? We'll have to see. We'll have to see. Maybe. They have some not good teams for sure. They're not all good like we expected them to be last year. The Cardinals, I think, are going to end up being very mediocre to bad. I I know that Seattle is going to end up being bad. The Rams, I don't think are bad but that offensive line so far has been bad and if it doesn't get a lot better they will be bad uh or if Stafford's arm is just cooked they like if either of those things happens they'll be bad and the Niners if Trey Lance sucks I don't care how good the rest of your team is they'll be bad so they all have bad potential but it's too early to say that they're bad through week one let's talk let's bring it back on next month's overreaction Monday but as of now it's an overreaction moving kind of league-wide here who can really compete with the Bills and the Chiefs? Is that an overreaction to say that there's nobody else who can compete with them right now? Yes. Yes, it is. And here's why. It's not because I don't think that those two teams are the favorites in the AFC to meet in the championship game and come out of the AFC. I think that they are pretty clearly. However, um, if, if just based on week one performances, we were going to be deeming teams you know, the wagon that year that is just, oh, nobody can compete with them. Then last year, it's what? It's the Saints who murdered the Packers. It's the Cardinals who murdered the Titans. It's uh, maybe it's maybe it's the Steelers who beat up on the Bills at home. You know, maybe it's uh, maybe it's maybe it's the is, are the Texans decent. They they killed they killed the Jaguars in week one last year. Uh, can anybody compete with them? So, like, no, these things aren't true in week one. Again, they're it's week one's a liar. These things may be true, but probably aren't. We need to see. Ask me in a month or two with the Bills and Chiefs. They're up there, but to say that nobody else is up there to compete with them in the entire conference or in the entire league, that's an overreaction. Moving over, speaking of. Uh, our Super Bowl contenders. We kind of talked about the Rams already. Definitely right. have a suspect line, kind of feeling that hangover. We also have the Bengals feeling a hangover as well with their offensive line and kind of doing that, mm-hmm. but we're not going to get into that. Okay. Both of them have a hangover so far. We'll see if that continues. However, are the Steelers a playoff team? <laughs> Is that an overreaction to say right now? Well, because the Steelers beat the Bengals, they have to be a playoff team, right? Yeah. Right, that's that's just the math. Like, the Bills beat the Rams. They're a playoff team. Steelers beat the Bengals. Bengals were also in the Super Bowl. So, okay, gotcha. So, Steelers are a playoff team. No, the Steelers are not a playoff team. Um, that's an overreaction. They, again, were bad today. They managed to win despite murdering the Bengals in turnover differential. They barely squeaked, squeaked that game out. They are not good. They are not a playoff team now. This is Mike Tomlin we're talking about. And Mike Tomlin famously does not have losing seasons. He's not, he's incapable of it. He really is. And it's fantastic. I I think it's an incredible skill. 
So could they be the you know the eighth team in the conference? Could they be the ninth team in the conference? Yeah, definitely. I think that they probably will be. I think they'll be, you know, eight and nine, nine and eight, and they'll be like right there on the outside looking in. That's what I think this team will be. So overreaction, the Steelers are not a playoff. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there because something that I forgot to mention in our news segment about injuries and for kind of good reason because it seems that the Steelers want to keep sweeping it under the rug. Najee Harris did not play like Mm. most of the fourth quarter and overtime because of his foot injury. And they want to say after the game, oh, it's fine, it's fine. I mean, he would be playing, you know? Where was he? And if your offense is going to ride or die with the volume king Najee Harris, he has to play. So I agree with you. I don't think they're going to end up with... Uh, a playoff spot. All right, Moving to it. someone who might have a playoff spot in the AFC. Are the Dolphins a playoff contender? I think they definitely are a playoff contender. I think that's not an overreaction. Now, did they play a team today that may be really bad? Yeah. The Patriots might be really bad on offense, or at least until Bill Belichick decides, oh, well, maybe I don't want to have these two defensive coaches run my offense. Maybe I'll just do it myself. And then they'll be, you know, like capable i guess but until then as long as it's dumb and dumber running the defense or running the offense over there it's going to be a bad team and uh it you know the dolphins they looked fast today we knew they were fast they looked competent today we knew that their coaching was competent at least Tua didn't look like a disaster today that's good he's surrounded with a ton of weapons he shouldn't he should look pretty good so i think this team is a contender are they a contender in their division no they're not they're not i don't think they're a contender with the bills it'll be fascinating to see them play but i don't think that they are uh, at that level are they a contender for one of the wild card spots in the afc yeah i think that they are so not an overreaction I agree with you on that one. Moving on to kind of some fantasy overreaction. Okay. Of course, we had potential in most of your guys' fantasy drafts, first or second overall pick. Christian McCaffrey finally get back on the field today. That's right. And only record 15 fantasy points today, which Hmm, is not usually what Christian McCaffrey does. So I'm going to offer this question to you. Is it an overreaction to say that Christian McCaffrey is officially mid. (laughs) Yes. Yes, he is mid. Um, Yeah, it's an overreaction to say that, but I want so badly for it to not be an overreaction. I tweeted this weeks ago, I think, at least a couple weeks now. We all in the fantasy world talked about Christian McCaffrey coming in like, oh, man, if he's if he's hurt, you know, he's hurt. That's a bummer. And he's just he's got the injury bug at this point in his career. But if he's healthy, man, you got one of the, the you got the best fantasy player of all time playing for you. Like it's a it's a you just he just has to stay healthy. That's literally it. He just got to stay healthy and you will be goaded. Your fantasy team will be so good. And so I tweeted out like, hey, guys, what if there's an option C in which Christian McCaffrey McCaffrey is back and healthy and like perfectly fine, um, except he's super mid like he's super mediocre. I think that would be the funniest possible outcome, personally, if he's back and he's just not good at football anymore for some reason. Um, and so I want this to be the case. Today, he only had... Pause. Probably that <laughs> slow. Where's the fucking door? <laughs> Hold on, I got it here. 
you have it up? Uh, yeah, I can get it up. Yeah, it's good. CMC went. You just want to write it down real quick? Okay, no, I got it. I got it now. Okay, okay. Today, he had 10 rushing attempt, attempts for 33 yards, a 3.3 yard average, and a touchdown. And he had four receptions for 24 yards. That's not a great, that's not a great stat line, JT. I think he might be mid, but based on this one performance, no, you can't say that he is. It's an overreaction so far. But another one that I want to revisit when we get back to doing this, maybe when we get back to doing this segment in the future. Are there any more that we have to cover? Yeah, we got one yeah. more. We're and one more. we're going to end the show with this one. And okay. it's mostly because we've been name dropping him like crazy the entire show so oh, far. Is this guy's name alliterative? It could be. It could okay. be. Maybe. Okay. Today, we, we saw something that we haven't seen in a while. Oh. And it could be the second coming of Commander Carson. Commander now, Carson. Now with a team that he can finally call home. So I'm going to offer to you, is Commander Carson back? And is he good? Is So the take is, is Commander Carson good? Yes. This is the hardest one you've given me. <laughs> this is the hardest one you've given me. It's an overreaction. Barely. Barely an overreaction. And I again, I want so desperately for it to be proven not an overreaction. Because it'd be so funny if Commander Carson finally gets his wings back. Back in the NFC. Back in the... We have massive markets so we get all the TV even though we're a bunch of bad teams that nobody wants to watch. NFC East. With Riverboat Ron, the Commanders just be so good It'd be so good and delicious and you get their touchdowns all year long to freaking antonio gibson and Jahan dotson and apparently just ignore another prominent receiver on his roster you know you mean terry. curtis samuel no no he's not ignoring <laughs> curtis samuel he's ignoring terry mclaurin for some reason i have terry in both my fantasy teams beside the point He's going to throw a lot of touchdowns, and he's going to be good. And I, I think it's happening. I really do. But I, for now, again, in the, in the name of fairness, I have to say so far an overreaction. But we will be revisiting Commander Carson. And that's going to do it for our overreaction segment for today. That's also going to do it for our show for today. Thank you, of course, for listening. Before you go, please don't cook away just yet. In case you didn't know, the Music City Audible with Justin Mello and Justin Graver coming out later this evening. If you're listening on Monday, Monday evening, They'll be reacting to the Titans game on Sunday and having all of their uh, opinions and takes, breaking it all down for you in their first episode of the week. First of two, by the way, they're twice a week now, in case you didn't know. So check that out with Justin and Justin later tonight. Music City Audible going to be a great episode. Also, if you uh, want to read any of my work at BroadwaySportsMedia.com, please do so. Had an article come out on Sunday, yesterday, if you're listening to this on Monday. Um Again, the winners and losers from the Titans game. I think you'll find it interesting. I'm going to have another article later this week just for Broadway insiders. Speaking of Broadway insiders, if you're not a Broadway insider already, please become one. Check us out at broadwaysportsmedia.com. Become an insider today for just 99 cents for your first month using the code insider or using the code annual to get your annual pass for just $49.99 a year. Two fantastic deals that are not going to last forever. So go jump on those. Get all of this great content that's behind the paywall. 
Of course, that includes the Mike Herndon Show. Back for episode two this Thursday. Don't want to miss that. Had a great first episode. I'm the executive producer on that show. If you want to check it out. I think that's everything. I think we covered it all. I think we're done here. We'll talk to you on Friday. Until then, I'm Easton for JT. Have a good week.